The scripture reading for today's message comes from the fifth chapter of Isaiah, verses 1 through 7. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. The word of God for the people of God. Thursday night, the park service, Tim preaches that and Lucas, uh, plays for us, and we have some great, great help uh, from this church that's making that uh, ministry possible. There was a lady that always comes uh, to the park service. I know that she's going to come. I know she's going to get her food, and I know she's going home. Never stays for the worship service. Never, you know, uh, contributes one thing. So I'm thinking... See, outreach is something that you do expecting absolutely nothing in return. Witness is what we do, like, like radio, TV, all the ads, and trying to get folks to come go to church with us, evangelism or, or a witness. So I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask this lady where she went to church. And she gave me the answer that so many Methodists give. And that's for all you listening on the radio. I just saw a bunch of dials go off. Well, I'm a member of the Assemblies of God. Isn't that what we say? Well, I'm a member of so and so. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Stay with me here a little bit this morning. So I said, you don't go? She said, no. I said, why do you not like it? There's a lot of folks that don't like church. And I, I was just one. I was doing this. Was I not kind and nice and graceful? And, and I said, I said, you can come go with us. And by the time I got that out of my mouth, Rob Robinette said, I'll pick you up. I know where you live. That's what this church does. We'll pick you up. We'll bring you. And it hadn't been too long ago, we were picking you up when we were up. Sure we was. And me and everybody else that's here. What an opportunity. You talking about a vineyard. 
You're talking about a vineyard, a place on the hill that the Lord has picked up all the rocks and thrown everything out of the way for us. There's a school right here in our back door. Some 1,800 kids there. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this church, the ministries of this church. And thank you, dear God, that, that you have given us your word. Your word that is truth. And sweet Holy Spirit, for telling us when to say something and when to shut up. And teaching us and drawing us closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive this lesson. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This was a Christian family. The husband was a Christian. At least that's what he put on his job application. Because you see it asked for his religious affiliation. Sex, he was male. Race, Anglo. Nationality, U.S. citizen. Religion, Christian. His mother had been a good church woman. He used to attend Sunday school as a little boy. But that was 30 years ago. He had a religious heritage. And after all, that made him a Christian by paternal relationships, didn't it? He wanted to think of himself as a Christian every day, except Thursday. Thursday was happy days at Joe's at happy hour. And maybe Friday, because we all know that Friday the eagle flies and Saturday I go out to play. Sunday was a good day, but it wasn't a church day. He had to rest on Sunday. He had to rest because of Thursday and Friday and Saturday. He thought about church, but as he looked at himself, he was a good man. What he didn't know that good wasn't good enough. He said he was a Christian, but you see, he had a conflict of interest. His wife was a Christian woman. At least she did Christian things. She went to church on Sunday, clapped her hands. But she talked about people all day long on Monday. She said it was because of the way she was raised. She complained about her job, complained about her husband, and even every now and again, she complained about God. She said she was just trying to get the Lord's attention. She claimed that she wasn't the best person, but she wasn't the worst person. She called herself a Christian, but she had this conflict of interest. The child of this dynamic duo was a desperate child. He was in between, in between childhood and adulthood, in between believing his parents and following his friends, in between faith in the church and fun in the streets. He was questioning who God was. But he didn't want to question too loud. 
He didn't want his friends to think that he was too strange or too religious or too square or too different. I've been there. He told himself that what he was doing wasn't all that bad. After all, everybody else is doing it. He still thought of himself as a Christian. He just had this conflict of interest. Isaiah. Scriptures that Casey read to us today. Was describing this conflict through an analogy of a grapevine. The vine keeper, he had cleared the land. He had removed all of the stone. He had planted a vine in the middle of a fruitful hill. Are you listening? Look at this church. Proximity-wise, how could it be placed any better for us to be as effective for the Lord as we possibly can? Look at this. The Lord has laid it in His lap, in our laps. He's cleared away the stones. He's put away everything that keeps us from being the people that God wants us to be. In the scriptures, he planted the vine in the middle of a fruitful hill. He placed a watchtower near the vine so that he could watch over it. He put a a wine vat nearby so that he could harvest its fruit. And when it came time for the, the wine to produce grapes, what does the scripture say it did? It produced wild grapes. The fruit from the vine. It looked like grapes. When you tasted the fruit to enjoy. To enjoy its sweetness, however, it was not sweet like a grape. It tasted like a wild grape that's grown out in the wilderness. The Lord was telling Jerusalem and all the people of Judah, I placed you in the middle of a fruitful hill. And I placed my word in a watchtower so that I could watch over you. I placed my temple nearby so I could receive the fruit of my labor when you served me, the Lord that is, in the temple. But when it came time to taste the sweetness of your attitude, the kindness of your words, the joy of your spirit, it turned out that you weren't very sweet after all. Your attitude was bitter, not sweet. And your words were harsh, not kind. Your spirit was mean, and there was no joy in your words. You looked like God's people. You even said the words that God's people should say. So you sounded like God's people, but when it came time for godly acts, you acted ungodly. You say you're my people, but you have a conflict of interest. The apostle Paul identifies this characteristic in Romans 7, 18 and 19. I know that nothing good lives in me, 
that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Struggling. Paul was saying, I want to do the right thing. But I keep doing wrong. I keep running into this conflict. Conflict all around me. Conflict inside of me. I'm trying to be a Christian. But I have a conflict of interest. There are things that I know that I should do. I should go to church on Sunday. But Sunday, you see, it, it conflicts with the rest of my time. My playtime, my personal time. I should read my Bible more often. But Bible study, you have to be too committed to do that. Should go to Sunday school, but that cuts into my time too. We get up and we go to work during the week. I believe we can get up and come to church on Sunday. Just saying. Just saying. I would go and be part of the prayer team, but you know how holy those people get. I've wondered before, and God's grace goes beyond anything that I could ever imagine, but I've thought about this sometime. If I don't want to talk to God on my time, I've wondered why would he want to talk to me on his. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, I know he does, but that, that baffles me. I know that I should tithe to the church or strive to, or strive to. But the church, y'all know how we are, always asking for money. Always. You go to a doctor, we pay. Bill collectors, we pay. To the mall and to the stores that have raised prices and everything, we pay. We say, it's my money and I'll do with it what I want to do. How dare God ask for a little bit of money? Especially that that I have left. We have a conflict of interest. Because we all know that everything that we have, money included, it all belongs to God anyway. Then there are things that we said that we wouldn't do, and wouldn't you know it. There we go again. You know, you said that you, said that you wouldn't gossip. But Tommy, this story is too good. It's too good. I've got to tell somebody what my cousin, sister's, mother's, brother's, neighbor said. Because I know that's right. Instead of finding out the facts and going from there, we gossip. You said you stopped fussing with your family, yelling at the kids. But every time you try to stop doing wrong, you find yourself in conflict. And every time that you try to do right, you find yourself in conflict. Trying to be a Christian, but you have a conflict of interest. 
I think that there are at least three things that we need to do in addressing this problem that each and every one of us have. Confront the conflict. What is it? What is it that's a conflict in your life? Just be, just be truthful with yourself. When you have a conflict, address it. Then you go to work on correcting it. And finally, we must crucify it. Or in other words, give it to Jesus is what I'm talking about. You know, when we confront the conflict, we cannot remove something if you deny that it's there. If you deny, if you deny it, there's nothing you can do about it. You'll continue to have it. If you deny that you have bad habits, a bad attitude, or bad behavior, then all you're doing is deceiving yourself. But trust me, my dear, dear friends, you won't deceive anyone else. You must admit that we can't control our emotions. You have to acknowledge that there is conflict between how you act and how you want to act. And face this conflict. Conflict in, your, in yourself. Second, take steps to correct this problem. You must realize you must change. And there's where, to go back to last week's Sunday, where the rubber meets the road. That's hard to do, to change. Because we think we're right. Right about a lot of things, but you're not right about everything. Because we don't have all the information we need. But we have to change. We must realize that we must change and be willing to start to change. The willing part. The willing part. If every time someone disagrees with you, you blow up with an ex explosive temper, calm down, chill out. Correct yourself and, and stop the explosion. If every time something happens that you don't understand, you become suspicious and jump to conclusions, you must slow yourself down. Set yourself down and think about what you have seen and what you have heard before you jump to any conclusions. I realize that many of you here have tried to confront your conflict. I know that. You've recognized that you have a problem and you've taken steps to confront your problem. Some of you have even taken steps to correct your problem. You've tried to stop doing what you were doing, tried to stop saying what you were saying. You have taken even therapy and counseling, tried behavior modification, self-help courses. And despite what you have tried, or how often that you have tried, you find you have failed. You failed. This is because you have, you've taken the first two steps, but you haven't taken the third step. You must crucify the conflict to the cross. In other words, give it to Jesus. When we can't control our anger, give it to Jesus. When you can't control that habit, give it to Jesus. When you can't control your life, give it to Jesus. Maybe you can't handle it, 
I know I can't, but God can. I'm convinced of that, living proof of that. If we have faith, he has the power. Listen to the words of Romans 6, verses 6 and 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died in Christ has been freed from sin. And when you crucify your conflicts on the cross of Jesus, we become transformed. That's what disciple one is all about. It's not about, inform- it's not about information and you, you learning to quote scripture and, and it's about knowing that the Old Testament and the New Testament, of course. But, but at, the, at the same time, it's about transformation. It's not just about information. It's about transforming lives. That's, that's what the church is to be doing. Helping one another through this. Building one another up. Thinking more of others than we do ourselves. You know, and when we crucify our conflict on the cross, we become transformed. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, Now get this, this is your spiritual worship. How are you worshiping? How are you worshiping? For a few minutes here on Sunday morning, our spiritual worship, someone asks you what that is, take them to that verse. Giving yourselves up. Is the scripture says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is good and perfect and the acceptable will of God. That's how we can know what the will of God is. So praise team comes this morning and we look at our own lives. What is it? What is it? What do we have conflicts with? Name it. Be honest with yourself. Be truthful with yourself. Be willing to change, to work on it. And third and finally, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. You can't handle it. I can't handle it. But he can. He can. That's why he's God. You know, when we do confront our conflict and correct our ways and crucify our desires on the cross, our conflict will die but your spirit will rise again. And then, guess what? We'll become Christians. Christians with no conflict of interest. Thanks be to God. Amen.